Hey, this is Angel with Sex Talk. We're recording live at Aspect, that's Alberta Sex Positive Education and Community Centre. Check our profile if you want to check out the website and that kind of thing. Uh, We're going to talk about something serious today, but I think it's a super important topic to cover when we're talking about alternative sexuality or sexuality in general. Something that unfortunately is more prevalent in alternative communities is abuse particularly of new people in the community. There are persons who find our community welcome as a place to prey upon new people or persons who are vulnerable and that's because we're a little more isolated than mainstream society. Not saying that this kind of thing doesn't happen in mainstream society but research done by the National Coalition of Sexual Freedom indicates that there's a slightly higher prevalence in kink communities and there's also a much lower reporting in kink communities. And there's a few reasons for that, and I want to talk a little bit about it. Um, before we start talking uh, too in-depth, we are going to be interviewing a couple of different people. So if hearing about sexual assault stories is problematic for you and you need to engage in self-care and like tune us out for a little bit, you can do that. I will warn you before we invite someone to talk about it each time. Um, so just keep that in mind. So I'm going to be talking kind of loosely in context here without mentioning any specifics until we start interviewing people. But the statistics demonstrate that in the kink community, roughly 72% of feminine presenting persons who also are either switches or they identify as being bottoms or submissives have experienced some sort of sexual harassment or assault within the first two years of entering the community or when they think they're entering the community, but what they've actually done is found a Craigslist dom, which is just kind of our way of saying they found somebody on an online dating app who claims to be a top and then um, isolates them from the actual community where you can access resources. And uh, that's horrific. Like, I just want to really put that out there. That's really horrific. And trans people, um, 100% of people who were surveyed and identify as trans had this similar experiences which makes sense because you're even more isolated when you um, have intersecting ways that you're marginalized in society. And that's problematic. And 48% of male bottoms also experienced um, some sort of sexual assault or abuse in the first couple of years in their community. So numbers are pretty high and less than half a percent of them reported it to group leads. And of the ones that reported it to group leads, less than 30% went to the police. So just chew on those numbers for a little bit. And I mean, in in each survey, like every year, the numbers vary by a bit and, and things are changing in one direction or the other all the time. But even with changes and even with, you know, taking that into account, those numbers are horrific. And we need to look at like why that is so, both from a societal perception and in a you know self-preservation sort of perspective so we can have an idea of what to talk about so we're going to go to a commercial and when I come back we're going to hear the first of our stories and I will give you an a warning before we do that hi welcome back this is Angel with sex talk we're talking about predators in the community and why the community is so delicious for them and what we can do about it, both as um, people in the community and as individuals looking to protect ourselves. So here's your trigger warning. We're about to hear a story from somebody about their experience 
And if hearing about um, abusive behaviors is triggering for you, you want to just tune out and come back in five minutes. So welcome to the conversation, Nix. I know that um, it's not easy to talk about these kinds of things, and I really honor that you are brave and, and willing to share your story so that we can try and help other people um, recognize, one, the problem, and two, find ways to help mitigate those risks when you're new, because it's definitely when we're new that we're at most risk, right? Um, are you comfortable telling us about your experience? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So go ahead. Um, I was 19 when I entered into a, what I thought was a dominant submissive situation. Um, my partner at the time was typical abuse situation where they start sweet and end not so sweet. Not so sweet. Um, I was young and naive and believed that what I was doing was kink. Um, she, she actually shared me without my consent with her friends within private parties. And it was, it was not exactly the best situation, but I was young and naive and felt that that was pleasing her. So I was doing the submissive thing. So where had you gotten your ideas about submission and what that looks like? Like at that point, where did your information come from? From her. Uh, definitely isolated from mainstream community. I didn't even know that there was anything but private parties at the time. Um, got in a relationship with her. She went and said, this is what I'm into. Are you interested in it? And I said, yes, because I had... Because yes. <laughs> because yes. <laughs> New and shiny and, and exciting, mm -hmm. and um, it started out low-impact play, a little bit of role-playing, um, lots of leather bondage, and then it just escalated. I'm really sorry that you had that experience. When you were in that relationship, like, were there ever times you tried to assert your boundaries? And this isn't a judgy thing, I'm just, I'm curious how she would have navigated that if you had. She made me feel like I wasn't allowed to have boundaries. So when I said no, she would gaslight me, manipulate me, anything she could do to get me to. That good submissives don't say no. Exactly. No. And how long were you in that relationship for? Uh, two years. Wow. Yeah. So two years of a relationship that is intense is fulfilling all those... Um, fun, sexy desires that come with BDSM, but also coming with a whole bunch of toxicity and gaslighting and whatever. When you exited that relationship, like, what did that do to your idea of being a submissive and being interested in kink? Like, how did that all fit together? She ghosted me. She just disappeared. So I was left with this void in my life. Um, I felt like it wasn't something I wanted to do ever again because it was it was damaging and I went tried to go through counseling but because I was part of a kink community or what I thought was a kink community the no one wanted to touch my case um I didn't report any of the behaviors because I thought I was in the wrong definitely was led to believe that I was in the wrong again I'm really sorry that you had that experience and unfortunately, it's one that we hear from a lot of people that are new in the community. Um, 
So some things that definitely stand out to me is the isolation. Mm-hmm. So for those that are new to the community and looking for ways to mitigate those risks, you want to make sure you can get your information from sources outside of the persons that you're playing with. And also um, a lot of pushing against boundaries, making you feel like you're not allowed to have those boundaries or that having those boundaries isn't healthy. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, further isolation by when you start turning to people for help, being told that um, because of the kink activities that you just, there's no resources for you. Well, that's pretty much a crapshoot of jumping into the kink community. And it, you were out for almost a decade out of the community and then you came back in have you noticed anything different in the community or did you come in a different way or uh I started attending munches I would not go to any play parties until um I had attended quite a few munches and met people um I've because I'm considered new it was really difficult to find a, a partner um especially knowing that I had been gone for so long because of trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people just don't want to play and don't want to be in a form, a dominant submissive relationship with somebody like me. Um, and Which is actually a sign of better boundaries on yes. the part of the people you're approaching. Cause they want to make sure that you have boundaries that you're able to advocate for yourself so that they're not making things worse. Right. Mm-hmm. Which frustrating for you, I'm sure. Um, For those that don't know, munches are gatherings that are held at restaurants or pubs where you go and you hang out in a normal um, work-a-day sort of society so you can get to know the people that are in your local kink community while clothes are on and play's not happening. It's a little less stressful to go and meet people under those circumstances and it also allows you to start building a network and friendships with people rather than diving in to play and power exchange-based relationships. Um, How long have you been back in the community, Nix? Is it okay to ask? Yeah, uh, it'll be a year and a half right away here. And have you found that having access to all the additional resources has helped you to find a path, or are you finding there's still a lack? Uh, I've... People are are so much better for information. Um, If you have questions, um, places like Aspec is great because there's resources here. Um, and then there's fat life, which helps a lot. Oh man, I wish there'd been fat life when I was coming into the community. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or something like it, right? Mm-hmm. And thank you for that about aspect. It is kind of what we try to do. So it's always good to hear that it's working. Yes. Um, you have anything else you want to add before we move on to a different interview? No, I'm okay. Okay. Yeah. I really appreciate you being brave and sharing and, um, uh, gladly welcome you back onto the show thank you we're gonna go to a song here by delilah who lives up north and is a young pansexual um adult who is making their own music from the lyrics all the way through to composing Hey, hey, this is Angel. You are listening to Sex Talk. We've heard a couple of stories from people who came into the community and had a rough go of it. And some of them exited the community for quite some time to deal with that stress and then um, slowly moved back in. You also probably noticed that community has changed. And that's not just here in Alberta. We travel all over North America to different BDSM conventions and whatnot. And this is something we hear about from everybody. The internet has changed 
the way that we access information. Prior to all these amazing websites where you could meet other people who are like-minded, you were stuck with um, trying to get invites to private parties, which in which case it feels like if you screw that up, you lose access. And um, we're going to talk about why that's a problem here in a moment. But uh, Or you could get invited to the back room in the leather bars, which meant you were probably part of the queer community and knew somebody who was already in the kink community. Otherwise, you were left with books. Um, books like Marquis de Sods, which is a terrible way to get information about kink, or porn, which also not a very reliable way. Um, those terrible books, the Korean books, which gave people the idea that, you know, women don't have boundaries and only men can be tops. Um, two things that I, I just really disagree with and that kind of thing. And nowadays you can log into FetLife.com, create a profile, and there is information on everything. Things that you want to know and things you probably would rather not know. You can find local events just by clicking on your city, local groups, you can find local kinksters. It's a pretty cool little network. And in society, we also have a lot more above ground clubs. I know here in Edmonton, we've got quite a few private parties that still go on, but there's um, ourselves and a couple other organizations that have regular events. And Calgary did have um, a sex positive center, although for financial reasons, they're not open anymore. There's an adult club there. I think there's also a, um, I'm, I'm trying to remember what, what rendezvous is. I think they might be a swingers club. And then there's Cap C. Um, and that's just in the two major cities of Alberta. We got like four play and intimate times in Edmonton. So there's lots of places to go and find alternative lifestyle information or other people that you can talk to. One of the things that we are noticing is when people are new, even with all these resources available, that they are still vulnerable. They have this idea of what it means to be a submissive or a top or a bottom or to explore all things kink. And people with shadier ethics or um, pathological abuse tendencies, they find those that are vulnerable and they move in on them. So there are some things that you can do to protect yourself. Number one is actually find your community. Go out to the events that are in public, like munches. Um, some places even have like bowling teams you can join, that kind of thing. Get to know people and start making your own safety network. Ask people about the person you intend to play with before you play with them. This is super important because it gives you an idea of what their strengths and weaknesses are as a player. And if someone's like, oh, this person, you know, sometimes is kind of wishy-washy with boundaries and they, they tell you some story or whatever, still go with your gut, right? Same with if they're like, this person's great at boundaries, still go with your gut. Like you have to make those choices for yourself, but at least you're coming from an informed perspective. And third, educate yourself. Learn about the types of play or relationships or activities that you want to get involved in so you know what the healthy or safer way of doing things looks like compared to the toxic or unsafe play practices. If you know what that looks like, it's going to be a lot easier for you to call someone out on it. Another thing we recommend is when you're first playing to play in public, some dungeons now are setting up little chalkboards where you can write what it is you've agreed to so that people walking by can say something if one of the things on your no list is being done. Um, there's a lot of reasons for this. What I do want to make very, very clear is all these things are aimed at the person who's at risk in developing strategies to not be at risk. But the bare facts are 
that the only way we can prevent these things from happening is by not assaulting people. That victims actually don't carry the burden of trying to trying to stop other people from assaulting them. That this is this is a conversation that needs to happen where we're changing how consent looks. And we need to go to a break, and but I'm going to come back and we're going to talk about the new flavor of BDSM that is very affirmative consent-like. And this is Angel, and you are listening to Sex Talk. Hey, hey, this is Angel with Sex Talk, and we were talking about the ways that predators tend to circulate through the kink community looking for people who are new and all that kind of stuff. And we wanted to switch the conversation over kind of to a parallel sort of topic about how consent in the kink community has changed. And I find that really interesting. I'm old. Um, I've been in the kink community forever. And when I first came in, one of the first things I was taught was that everything had to have consent in it. So you're supposed to negotiate and stick within those negotiations. And then you do the thing. And then after you talk about the thing. That's the framework that I was taught, and I just assumed everybody was doing that. But as I engaged in kink, what I quickly found out is that people were talking the talk, but once they you started play, and things would get a little buzzy because it's exciting and fun, and it's kind of like getting high with all those endorphins, they'd be like, hey, we should do this. We should do that. And you'd be like, hell yeah, because you're all high. And then when you try to talk to them about it later, about how that wasn't cool to add things when you were already in an altered state, there was a lot of gaslighting and stuff that went on. So that was um, not much different than what I noticed in vanilla society when I was dating. And now this conversation has been a lot more focused in the kink community on creating consent and practice, not just in a theoretical framework. And I'm pretty excited about that. It can be a little hard for us here at Aspect because we're surrounded by people who are interested in that consent culture because it's a large part of what we talk about here and it's incorporated into everything that we host or allow other people to host. It can be really easy to forget that not everywhere in society is dealing with the same thing. However, if FetLife is any indication... And if our extended network of friends from places across the country are are representative of what's going on in other places, it really does seem like various groups and communities are really trying to pick up the bar a little where it comes to consent. And that is a positive thing. There is a little bit of resistance and pushback to the idea. And if, for you, the idea of having to actually negotiate a scene so that you know that everything you're doing to another person is something that they agree to do, that they want to do, and that they felt free to tell you no. If that idea is abhorrent to you, I really challenge you just to spend a moment and think about why. And maybe evaluate your motives. And from there, you can decide what path you want to take. Um, Around here, we're not really big on having really negative discussions of, you know, blaming and judging on behaviors that have happened in the past, except in a more of a theoretical standpoint, because we were all socialized to view consent as something that we were doing without ever really looking at what the nuances of consent are. We just kind of assumed if people weren't calling the police, we were doing a good job. 
and that's changed and we need to change with it but we can't go into our past and undo all those um, moments where we weren't recognizing other people's bodily autonomy instead we have to raise the bar in our behavior now learn how to advocate for ourselves better so that our boundaries are more apparent and learn how to listen when someone else is navigating their boundaries so just some food for thought there i'll leave you with a couple of really good tunes that's our show for today have a sex positive weekend this is angel and you've been listening to sex talk <laughs>